sermon this day is taken from the gospel lesson, which was read to you earlier. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As I mentioned at the beginning of the service, we are we're at the end of about a month's worth of working through Mark chapter 6. And so, as I mentioned last week, if you were here, I talked about that it began with Jesus being rejected in Nazareth. It continued with the disciples going out, preaching and teaching the coming of the kingdom of God. Then we had John the Baptist beheaded. Then the crowds came to Jesus. And they're beside that shore. And he looked on them as sheep without a shepherd. And he fed 5,000 men plus the women and children with five loaves of bread and two fish. So, after all of that, naturally, the disciples are tired. They're exhausted. They went about preaching and teaching to all these different people, and now they just fed. I don't know if any of you have ever prepared a funeral, or for some of you it was a wedding just last night. If you prepare one of those, you know it can be pretty exhausting afterwards. Now imagine for that funeral or wedding, you had, you know, over 10,000 people. And you had to distribute the few food out of all of them. That's exhausting. So the disciples, Jesus, it says, it's kind of interesting in the text, it says, the disciples made them, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. He didn't let them argue, say, oh, no, we got to do other things. Let's get in the boat. He made them get it. And they got into the boat, and they went out to sea. And meanwhile, Jesus dismissed the crowd, and he said goodbye to them. And he himself is exhausted. Remember, Jesus is 100% human, which means that he does get tired. He gets Exhausted. And so what does he do? He goes up to the mountain to pray. Meanwhile, the disciples are out on the sea in that boat, trying very hard to swim, to row against the winds, against the waves. And it's about that time that Jesus starts walking across the water. Now, okay, they're already exhausted from all the teaching. They're exhausted from the feeding of the 5,000. And now they are exhausted from rowing. And, there's, and they look out and they see Jesus. There's, these, the, there's the wind, there's the waves, there's the rain, so they can't see clearly. And to make things worse, is this, have any, how many of you have ever been to Lake Superior? And then it's not many people? Okay, anyway. It's a really beautiful place. Go up to the North Shore of Minnesota, you know, Lake Superior. It's a beautiful area. But anyways, Lake Superior is a lake that has a history of being haunted. Or that's the legend, because of all the ships that sunk in. Most notably the Fitzgerald. And the Sea of Galilee is very similar. People had, there were legends, there were stories about it being haunted. So when they looked out, I mean, think about how nutty this would be. If you looked out and you saw 
someone walking on water on a sea that you've heard countless ghost stories about, you're going to do exactly what the disciples did and freak out because you think you're staring at a ghost. And so Jesus says, take heart. But actually, I like the Dr. James Belt. He's one of the professors at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. He wrote a Greek text. And he actually made the comment, this is better. In his commentary, he translates, instead of take heart, he translates basically English is just too gentle and sweet. And the Greek, it actually more along the line says, buck up. Now he's just much more like, suck it up, guys. Just me. So, but anyways, English says, take heart in his eye. And then he steps into the boat and the storm calls. And they are terrified. And it says in the text that they did not yet understand about the loaves. It's not, see, understand, it's not that they did not understand that it was a miracle. They understood that. They were sitting there thinking, you think Jesus hit the bread underneath the rock to feed them all? What? They knew it was a miracle. So, what they did not understand is what it meant. They did not realize that when Jesus looked, so Jesus looked on them as sheep without a shepherd, and he was living out Psalm 23, which is, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Which if you read that in the Hebrew, the name, replace the word Lord with the name Yahweh. It says, Yahweh is my shepherd, I shall not want. So when he's feeding the 5,000, he is playing the role of the good shepherd, and he is declaring, he is playing the role of Yahweh. And not to mention, he is feeding the people of Israel in the wilderness with a miraculous feeding of bread, which should sound similar to when in the wilderness he fed the people of Israel with Man, then he goes and walks on water. He is treading on water, which in Job chapter 9, we find who treads on water. It is Yahweh. And it says in Mark's gospel that he intended to pass by. Yahweh passed by Moses. Yahweh passed by Elijah. And when he said, take part in his eye, the Greek, now this is, okay, so here, the Greek Septuagint is something that would have been very familiar with at the time of Jesus. It was the Greek translation of the Old Testament. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, but they translated it into Greek within about 100 some odd years prior to the birth of Christ. And so it was a very well-known text. And so when you read the story of Moses, and, and the burning bush, the burning gas, who is it that sent you? Who shall I say sent me? Sent me? The bush, from the, the voice of the bush says, I am who I am. In the Hebrew, that is Yahweh. In Greek, it is ego a me. So when he says to them in the boat, he says, take part, ego a me. And he stepped in the boat and the storm calmed. The one that calms the storm, controls the storm, controls the sea is, again, Yahweh. They did not understand who he was. 
And that is why they were afraid. That's why they feared. This is a, this is a $1 bill. Sure, you see a few. On the back of this, what does it write? Say. Anybody know? In God we trust. I find it quite appropriate that our that they put of all the things that our government, that our country could put in God we trust, they put it on the dollar bill and the court and our coins. On our money. And it is quite appropriate. Because this represents things that we tend to trust instead of God. The things that we put our faith in. For one, right there, not George Washington, but politicians. Kind of ironic, I think, because of the fact that we know we shouldn't. We all know that almost every single candidate, actually every candidate, breaks their campaign promises. Every single one, right? Anybody know when they kept all of them? I don't. But yet, we put trust in them. And to be shown this, if you think of your average person, do you think it's easier to tell somebody's political affiliation or their, or their faith? You more readily tell if somebody is a Democrat or a Republican or that they are a Christian by their words. I think in my experience it's much more, much easier to find out their politics. Look at Facebook, look at social media. Other than my pastor friends, I very rarely see posts about the faith, about one's faith. And the reason is, it is an idol. The funny thing is, is that idols are not inherently bad things. That the devil never uses a good thing to be made, and not makes, he doesn't create anything. Now, everything that is an idol is in and of itself good. In fact, we put faith in our family, trust in our family, our friends. Family and friends are good things. But the devil likes to turn good things into bad. And so the same thing with our government. He will get us to trust in it. Or, even at the very top of both sides of the bill, United States of America, we have a tendency to trust in our country. Many, Stanley Howard who is a theologian somewhere out east. He made a quote, he said this, that most, most American Christians are, many American Christians are American before they are Christians. Did you know you don't have to be an American to be a Christian? Believe it or not, there are Christians all over the world. In fact, for example, so like last Saturday when I was at Mission Central, they had a missionary from Ethiopia. Ethiopia is a country that's about even less than a third of the size of our country, of the United States. And yet, we in the United States have, I think it's like just under, is it 
three or two million is the LCMS, so he's from Gap. But it's right around under three or two million is the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The Lutheran Church in Ethiopia is nine million. It's triple the size of us in a country that's a third the size. Think about that. In Christianity, you don't. Are, when we become, when Christ comes, you're not going to be an American anymore. You're simply going to be a Christian. That's it. And yet, that is where we place our faith. And of course, the dollar itself. We convince ourselves that if we just have enough money, if we have just enough possessions, then everything will be great. Everything will be fine and dandy if we just have enough. Look what happened to people like Robin Williams, who, which he practically raised me in some ways, like Dominic, this Doubtfire, Aladdin, great movies. But he took his own life. He was a millionaire. He was an extremely successful actor, comedian. Look what happened with Demi Lovato, if anybody's paid attention to the news. Very successful musician who overdosed. This is evidence that you can have everything and it will not satisfy. So, I say that's why I find it so appropriate that on our dollar bill it says, in God we trust. See, the disciples when they were in that boat did not trust in the one who's walking on water. They did not trust in the one who fed the 5,000. They did not trust in Yahweh himself. They did not trust in God. Just as we struggle. And so when we are, as we search after our idols, and there are so many, but those are just a few of them, every one of us has something that we focus on and we set our heart on and try to place our trust into, and it always ends in despair. And so our Lord, every now and then, he comes and gets our attention with his word, with his law. And he says, basically, buck up! But then he says, echo a me. Do not be afraid. I am the one who said, let there be light. And there was light. I am the one who said, let there be this, let there be that. And it was so. I am the one who fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. I am the one who treaded on the water. I am the one who called the storms. And I am the one who shed my blood on the cross for you. I am the one who made full atonement for all of your sins. I am the one who through that moment, think of the cross itself, that image that we see every Sunday, that you look upon. That is the image of the most evil moment in the history of the world. Because on that moment, 
the one and only person in the history of the world who was perfectly innocent died as a criminal. And yet through that action, through that moment, came salvation through the entire world. He is the one who through that moment brought salvation to all through the evil that was intended by the crowds that day who shouted, crucify, crucify. Through that, he brought salvation of not just many, but of everyone, including you. Take heart. He is the Lord. And may we remember, as we say in the Pledge of Allegiance, we are one nation under God. I know you don't want to say that anymore, that's offensive, but under God. Remember that as we are under Him, that we look to Him, we can trust and know that He can do more than we can ever imagine. He has done more than we can ever imagine. He has redeemed you to be His child. So therefore, when it comes to our government, we pray for our president. We pray for our Congress. We pray for our government, whoever. We pray for them, that God would lead them in wisdom. We pray for our nation, that we truly would be one nation under God. We pray on how that we use our possessions in a way that is faithful to our Lord, that would be used to serve Him. We pray that we would be given the strength to trust Him. And all the while, even those moments when we turn to something else and we turn to fear, He still says, Take heart. I am the Lord. I am your shepherd. You shall not lie. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keeping the one true faith, the life of the last. We now stand and confess together our faith in the Son of God and the Lord of the Apostles. I 